Church, how you guys doing today? Come on, are you glad to be in church today? I want to say what's up to everybody joining us online and also at our Austin Peay State University campus. We love being one church in many places. So thankful for all of you that join us online digitally at Austin P, and also all of you who are here for the very first time at any of our locations. We want to say a big welcome to you. My name is Mike Burnett, and Stephanie and I are so honored to serve as pastors of the church, along with an amazing team of leaders that get to serve you all the time. We want to say welcome to you. And like she said, if you would scan that QR code at any location, or if you're in a room with a connection card, just grab that and fill that out. Let us know who you are, and we promise not to harass you. We just want to say welcome and give you some next steps. At this location, we have a big red wall in our lobby. Now it's kind of hard to miss. It's big, it's red. Uh, if you would join us there, if you have any next steps questions, that's the gathering spot. If you want to know how to get involved, if you need a free Bible, whatever it is, meet us at the red wall. And those at Austin P, meet us in our lobby out there, and we'd be glad to connect with you. And our campus pastors there, Pastor Jordan and Pastor Aaron, are doing an amazing job. We're so grateful. Hey, it is Mother's Day, everybody. Come on, whether you are a mom or you have a mom, we want to celebrate moms today. Come on, everybody. I know Mother's Day, Mother's Day is always in the church world. It's, 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 there's all kinds of vibes and feelings and emotions about it. But I just want to tell you, moms, we're grateful for you. We celebrate you. And uh, I'm so grateful, especially my mom. Single mom raised three boys alone. Two of them were ugly. And I'm just so grateful. <laughs> for the work that she did. I, I especially honor you single moms today and uh, praise God for you. Ladies, please don't forget Flourish this Friday. Come on, get your troop of ladies. Come on, get your squad out there. Get your hair done, put some fragrance on, whatever you want, put on some shoes and let's go. Be, I'm talking like I don't, I, don't even know what I'm I don't even know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna be here serving, opening doors. And fellas, if, you, uh, if you'd like to serve this weekend, we'd love to have you on our dream team, serving the ladies of this church, guys, come on now. Uh, we were honored yesterday. We, we do a few big events a year, marriage conference, a parents and family conference that's coming up this summer, uh, but then a couple men's and women's nights. And yesterday we got to be a part of a wedding for a young couple who met serving on the dream team at our marriage conference. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. Fellas, all you single fellas out there, if you wanna know where the godly women are, come serve them on Friday <laughs> at Flourish. Keep your head on a swivel. As you open doors and pour coffee and don't be a creep. <laughs> we don't marry off creepers here, okay? You know what I'm saying? Just be kind and generous and hold your Bible close. You know, oh yeah, praise the Lord. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out. You know what I'm saying? I'm trying to help you out. Hey, well, baby dedication is always a lot of fun. We love, I always say, if you keep building babies, we'll keep dedicating them to Jesus. And so it's an honor. We do that every other month. And uh, the, the other months we have communion, second Sunday of every month, or baby dedication. So we rotate that. And so two months from now, we'll do that again if you'd like to have your babies dedicated, your children dedicated to the Lord. We're thankful for your generosity. I want to say thanks for being a giving church. And uh, honestly, since the pandemic, we've not passed a bucket in our church. We do all of our giving digitally, online, or people mail it in. And I just want to encourage you to keep that up. And thank you for bringing tithes and giving offerings. And if you've never done that before, this is your season to do that and to trust the Lord in this area of your life of generosity and stewarding what God has given you. But I do wanna say thanks on behalf of some of the partners that you help support and keep in ministry. Uh, we've got organizations out of house that we partner with to do things that we can't do or don't do. In particular, we're helping plant a lot of churches through two amazing church planting organizations. We're helping families find freedom from addiction and life controlling issues through the Hope Center Ministries, which I'm honored to serve on their board. And we're launching a Hope Center in Clarksville this year, everybody. And your giving is helping that happen. So we praise God for that. We're actually gonna have 100 ladies from the Hope Center at Flourish this Friday, as well as two of their centers 
are live streaming Flourish, one in California, and uh, we're just so honored to partner with Hope Center, and your giving helps that happen. Also helping our local brothers and sisters and friends on the street through our amazing partnership with YAPAC Outreach. And what a fitting time to talk about. We are helping abortion-sensitive uh, moms keep their pregnancy to full term and delivering these beautiful babies through our partnership with Hope Pregnancy Center. So you're giving, those are just some of our partners. I wanna say thank you for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hey, turn with me to Acts chapter 15, and we're gonna continue in our Book of Acts series. I've titled the message today, Let the Lord Take the Lead. I wanna encourage everybody to take notes. I'm gonna give you quite a bit today. But we are a, if you're new with us, if, if you've not been here before, we like to preach through whole books of the Bible. I don't know if you guys realize, we've now been like a year and a month in the Book of Acts. And so uh, we started last Easter, and we're in Acts 15 today, going verse by verse. We're gonna finish out Acts 15. And I wanna say thanks to Pastor Mark Delaney, who preached for us last Sunday. Didn't he do a great job, everybody? What a great word and an encouragement. I appreciate his vulnerability there as well to help us in on some of the things he's been working through and how God's been helping him through that. As you're turning to uh, Acts 15 and getting your notebooks out, I wanna encourage or ask the question, has anyone ever struggled to give up control? Yes. Yeah, all the control freaks immediately, yes. Does anybody married to somebody who struggles? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I, I have a statement, don't tell me what to do. I just, I, I kind of flippantly use that sentiment a lot. Um, and I, I'm the kind of knucklehead, like don't tell me what to do or how to do it, I'm gonna figure it out. Does anybody open a, like a kit that you have to assemble and you just throw the directions aside and you go, I'm gonna, this is just right angles. I'm gonna figure it out, right? Um, some of you are like me, a bit of a control freak. There's just some of the areas I'm a controller in. Number one, like when our family's watching a television, I wanna hold the remote. Part of it is I have an eight-year-old daughter and it's just, I'm, there's no telling what is gonna pop up on the screen, uh, what kind of animated craziness we're gonna have to watch. I've always kind of been that way. I like to hold the remote. Most of the time when we're driving somewhere, I prefer to drive. It's actually not that my wife's not a good driver, but um, I just prefer to drive. Now she thinks I'm a terrible driver. But um, anyway, there, there's, there's areas that I, I relinquish control gladly. For example, my wife is brilliant with our finances, our budgeting, all the management of that. And I know like for her to do it means our kids will have clothes, we'll have groceries in the house, our bills will be paid on time. If I manage the finances, we're gonna have a really good time spending our way to bankruptcy. I just know myself, I'm a spender, she's a saver. I'm generous and she's not, but she's, no, she really, she's very generous, she is, but she plans for generosity, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, hey, whatever, we gotta take it, whatever. But how about you? Are there areas of your life that you struggle with letting others take the lead? Maybe it's in projects, something at school, in a class, or driving, or some area of your marriage and family. Well, here's the real question. Do we let the Lord take the lead in our lives? And that's the question we're gonna deal with all day today. Like, do we really let the Lord take the lead in our lives? Now, how many of you are thankful Jesus is Lord and Savior, right? Like, nobody argues or debates with the value of Jesus as Savior. We all wanna go to heaven, we wanna be forgiven of our sin, our struggle is Jesus as Lord. Like, God, please save me. Give me a great afterlife, but let me run this life. It's part of the human condition. It's been our struggle since the Garden of Eden. We want the benefits of heaven, but we wanna live how we want and be in charge and do it our way. The question is, do we relinquish control of every area of our lives? And here, here's a thought that I want you to think about and wrestle with. Until you die and go meet the Lord face to face, you've got areas of your life that need to be given to the Lord. Like I remember as a new Christian, 
thinking, okay, I gotta make some changes. God's doing some things in my heart. And, and I was in a party scene pretty heavy and, and drinking, smoking, all that kind of stuff. And that went away pretty quick. But I remember cussing, for example, like I'm good at cussing, like all parts of speech. I could, they just rolled off my tongue with such eloquence. You know what I'm saying? Like I was really good at verbally destroying people. And I remember as God started dealing with me, like scriptures that would say, let, the, let your words be seasoned with grace and let everything you say bring honor to God. I'm like, but hang on, Lord. And, and as you grow and mature, like God will deal with you in one area of your life only to reveal now there's the next area that he has to deal with. And I'm just here to tell you, like for the rest of your Christian life, if you're gonna pursue God, you're gonna be giving leadership to the Lord all the time. It's kind of like a garden, you know, you spend all Saturday plucking weeds out just to come back tomorrow and find what? more weeds. And as soon as God gets mastery in one area of your life, maybe he, maybe he has ownership of your calendar. Finally, you start putting the Lord first and putting church on your calendar regular and serving other people in small group. Then all of a sudden you realize that God needs mastery of your finances too. And then once you take a year or two to let God teach you how to tithe and trust him in giving and generosity, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to teach you. Now I'm going to get mastery and, and lordship in your life on parenting and how you talk to your wife and how you treat your coworkers. Like the question I wanna ask as a pastor a lot is does God have the right to lead every area of your life? For many of us, we say, well, God can have my afterlife, but maybe not parts of this life. Like, like I believe what God says about serving or maybe salvation, but not handling money, tithing, giving. Or maybe we say, I, I, I wanna follow God and I wanna trust God with what he says about my mouth or addictions, but man, I'm not gonna let God lead what I believe about sex, sexuality, my orientation. That's my thing to control. As a pastor, I challenge people, does God have access to your whole life and can he lead every area of your life? See, I believe, and the scripture shows us that God wants to be Lord and ruler of every part of your life. And the, the journey of your living on this planet is him growing as Lord of every part of your life your private life, your public life, your Sunday life, and your Monday through Saturday life, your scheduling, your spending, your thoughts, what you watch, what you listen to, your actions. He wants to guide and direct every part of you because he wants to be your Lord. And here's the thing, a lot of us think if, if we submit to God as Lord, I'm gonna lose something. But I'm here to tell you the best life is a life under lordship of Jesus. The best life is a life surrendered to Christ as Lord. Did you know that you're, Finances, your schedule, your marriage is better when Christ is in charge of it. You know why? Because God never has bad for you, never. You can never prove that otherwise. God never has bad things up his sleeve for you. He only has good for you. He only has a good will and good desires for your life. The question is, can you trust him and can you submit to that in your life? That's what lordship means, that he would reign and rule your heart, your life, your attitude, every part of you. It's the greatest challenge of humans, however. In the Garden of Eden, the whole issue was, if you eat this fruit, you will be like God. So we've always wanted to have it our way, but the question is, can the Lord have his way in our lives? And honestly, we've, just, we've devoted our, I mean, we, we've oriented our church around the mission statement. Our mission is to lead people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. Our church is not here to build programs. Our church is not here to build a big church. Our church is here to help you surrender more of your life to Jesus. Every week you come, every month you're here, every year you're here. Hopefully, as you guys have been here over the years, you're getting more and more close to Jesus as Lord of your life. Can I hear an amen? Please, for the love of God. Thank you, okay, woo, great. 
It's God's desire for you. And it's a better life for you. I promise you it's a good life to have God in charge of your marriage, your family, your finances, your thoughts. So I wanna challenge us to let the Lord take the lead. Like the prophetess Carrie Underwood said, let Jesus take the wheel. Take it from me now. Sorry, that's all I know of that song. Some of you got bumper stickers on your car that says, Jesus is my co-pilot. You need to switch seats. Because Jesus wants to be your pilot. He wants to lead you. Think about it. What areas of your life have you held on to control? What areas have you said, I'm not giving that over? Is it certain beliefs or behaviors, relationships? Is it an area of sin, finance, calendar? Will you let God help you forgive someone who's hurt you? As I walk through the text, it's a little odd to see what I'm talking about in the text, but, but we're gonna unpack the rest of Acts 15. And we're gonna see that God actually wants to lead us. And, and we're gonna see particularly a few ways that God leads us. And two of them we'll see a lot in the text. But, but let me just tell you this as you're writing notes. There's three specific ways, but this is not an exclusive list, but three specific ways that God will lead his people. Number one is by his Holy Spirit. How many of you know the gospel tells us that Christ died and resurrected or ascended to the right hand of the Father and the Spirit of God comes to live on the inside of us, take up residence in us, to dwell in us. So listen, the Spirit of God is our comforter. He's the one who gives us peace. He's also the one that convicts us of sin when we're living outside of God's will. You might think it's judgment or God's condemnation, but when you're living an immoral life or you're walking outside of the will of God, that rub on the inside of you, it's not your conscience, it's the Holy Spirit going, hey, 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 that's not what I'd have for you. The Spirit of God himself dwells on the inside of the Christian and desires to lead and guide and direct you. And here's what you gotta understand. The Holy Spirit is God living in you, leading us to his truth, his word, his heart, and his way. The Spirit of God will never lead you to do something contrary to the heart of God or the heart of the word of God. I had somebody tell me one time they left their wife and children for another woman And as I'm working through with this family and this couple and I'm talking to him and I'm going, what are you thinking? He says to me, I believe God has put this person in my life. Now, let me just tell you something. There's the Holy Spirit on the inside of you, but there's also your spirit, which is not always right and not always smart. And there's also the devil who hates you and everything God stands for in your life. So you got the Holy Spirit, then your spirit and the devil. And the Holy Spirit will never lead you to do something contrary to scripture or the heart of God or the will of God. I said, dude, you are insane to think that God by the Holy Spirit is leading you to leave your wife and children to pursue that other woman. The Holy Spirit will lead us. Y'all are looking for resolution on that story. He followed his own spirit and devastated their family. And they're still devastated years later. Second, God leads us by his word. Pastor, Mike, Pastor Mark told us this last week, that scripture has to guide our lives and, and we wanna evaluate things by scripture. Like the Holy Spirit will also never tell you to do something outside of scripture. The Spirit will never tell you not to be generous. No, be a tight, why be stingy and steal? Never, that's the Holy Ghost. No, it ain't. The Holy Spirit will never teach you to do anything outside of the will of scripture and the scripture is a guide for our lives. Third, God will lead us through spiritual leaders, through Christian leadership. Listen. This is why every person needs a pastor, spiritual fathers and mothers, a small group leader, even the accountability found in your huddle as you serve on a dream team. Listen, 
The body of Christ is part of how God leads us spiritually. You ever talk to someone, another Christian, you go, hey, can I get your advice? Can I get some prayer? And they tell you something and you know it's right, but it's just not what you wanna do. And you have that option. I'm gonna either listen or I'm gonna go find another friend group. Some people just refuse to let the body of Christ, their pastor speak into their lives or the word or the spirit. But the question I'm asking us for the rest of our time is can the Lord direct us? Can the Lord take the lead in our lives? And we're gonna see in Acts 15 how the Lord by his spirit and by spiritual leaders and by the word lead in the church. So as we get into this, I wanna ask you first and foremost, would you pray for good and godly leadership? Now I'm gonna put the ownership on you guys as the church now, whether you're watching or joining us in the room or, or wherever you are, I'm gonna put ownership of good and godly leadership. Obviously, whoever's your leader, like I'm your pastor, right? My wife and I, we, we serve with a great team of leaders here and we've gotta be integrous and we gotta be honorable to the Lord and we gotta do our work. But I'm asking you to pray for us. I mean, you know, we, I live in a glass house, man. I, I live with the shots of the devil and Satan hates what I'm doing. And I can eat, I mean, we, we live in a day when so many spiritual leaders are, have fallen and they've, they've fallen with conspiracies or with sin and all these different reasons to see godly leadership called into question. Can I just plead with you to pray for your spiritual leaders? Listen, if you want a better pastor, don't go find another church, pray for the one you have. I'm pleading with you, put, please put me on your prayer list, our family, we need it. But good and godly leadership is part of how God leads the people of God, watch this. So the Jerusalem council has met. If you remember what we saw last week, they were, uh, the, the guys who were preaching, Peter, Paul, Barnabas, they, had, they were sharing the gospel in uh, synagogues, in Gentile cities, and now they were not only seeing Jewish people saved, but they were seeing Gentile people saved. This is the original two kinds of people in the world kind of statement, right? Like there's two kinds of people in the world, those who love cats and the rest of us who are smart. Like there's two kinds of people in the world, right? Sorry, cat lovers, um, you're smart too. There's two kinds of people in the world. For the Jewish audience, there are Jewish people and then Gentiles. So everyone who's a non-Jew, right? So hello, Gentiles. And and, and the Jewish worldview is there's two kinds of people in the world, Jewish people and Gentiles. Well, they're preaching the gospel in synagogues and the Jewish people are converting to faith in Christ, but then these Gentiles are getting saved, these outsiders, these non-Jewish people. In fact, most of the world is made up of Gentiles. And so this gospel is going out and the reason they would start in Jewish synagogues was because the promise of Messiah was a Jewish promise but Jesus even said that this gospel would start with Jerusalem and then go to the ends of the earth. So now this gospel is not just for Jewish people, but for Gentiles also. Well, now the, the, the promise of this Jewish Messiah is changing Gentile lives as well. And the Christian leaders are unclear about salvation for the Gentiles. They were saying uh, that Gentiles had to become Jewish first. Some were arguing that they need to come back into Judaism. They need to accept Torah. They need to be circumcised. And then then they could receive Jesus. So it's like you had to back into Christianity by first becoming a Jew. Well, then they have this council, this meeting in uh, Acts 15 that Pastor Mark preached on last week, and they argued and they wrestled through, and then they went back to what did Jesus say and what's the Bible say? Did you remember that from last week? So they referred to the scripture and they referred to the leading of God himself, and as they argued it out, they realized, no, they, they don't have to obey Torah, they obey Jesus. They don't have to have physical circumcision they have to have a circumcision of the heart or a life change. They don't receive salvation by being born into Jewish family. They receive salvation by faith and being born again by the Spirit of God. And that's what they reconciled in Acts 15. And this council's decided the gospel is for Gentiles too. And what Pastor Mark taught us last week, we just believe in Jesus. We give our life and we focus our attention on Jesus. Come on, somebody say amen. And so now 
They're being sent to tell. Watch what happens in verse 22. So then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders with the whole church. So the leadership of the church, the apostles and the elders, and the whole church is agreeing with these leaders. It seemed good with the apostles and the elders and the whole church to choose men from among them. Now in the day that we're living in, it was very much a male-centered leadership in the religious space. And thankfully, as, as you watch the New Testament and the evolution of the, of the body of Christ, even in your Bible, women become more prominent in leadership and pastoring and teaching roles. But initially, as the church is just like they've had their first council in Acts 15 about like all people are welcome to the gospel, they send out elders, the elders and apostles and the whole church, they chose men from among them. And they sent them to Antioch, which was the town they were just in, with Paul and Barnabas. Remember Antioch's where they shook the dust off and left? And then they sent Judas called Barsabbas. I think it's funny that this guy's immediately going to call me by a different name because he did not want to be that Judas. You know what I'm talking about? If you, if you don't get that joke, um, watch the Passion of the Christ. Okay, so they sent Judas called Barsabbas and Silas leading men among the brothers with the following letter. Here's what I want you to see. First of all, pray for good and godly leadership. In order to get this message out, they sent godly leaders. Notice they didn't have more councils. They didn't have... Uh, voting, membership meetings with the church members, they start sending leaders to the Gentiles too. Now they're being sent to tell other people. And it's, notice who, who, who selected the preachers to go tell it, leaders did. The apostles and the elders made the selection. And I think it's important that we understand that we need to pray for our pastors and pray for our leaders in our companies, pray for the leaders in our homes, pray for the leaders in our jobs and at, at, at Fort Campbell that they're selecting good and godly leaders to do this work of leadership. They've, they've selected the leaders and messengers to go and share this gospel, the letter after what they've decided. They decided and God uses spiritual leadership. Can I just say, if God's gonna lead us by his spirit and his word, it should be confirmed through the spiritual leadership God's given us. So I'm asking you as the pastor of this church, would you pray for those who lead in your lives? Please, I need it, your pastor's lead, your small group leader needs it, I think your boss needs it. Parents, kids, pray for your parents. Husbands, pray for your wives as she leads in your home. Wives, pray for your husband as he leads in your home. The Bible teaches us to pray for those who serve in leadership. Paul taught Timothy in 1 Timothy, pray for governors, rulers, those who lead in the civil. Like you should pray for your president, even if you don't like him or her. You should pray for your boss, whether you love her or him or not. You should pray for those who lead you so that they can lead well. Pray for your pastors, pray for your small group leader. Listen, I said it earlier, if you want a better pastor, don't go Google a new church, pray for the one God put you under. That was a freebie, everybody, come on. <laughs> pray that they would make right and wise decisions. We as a team, like we really do pray over you. We pray for the decisions that we make for you when we add a building, when we add a campus. It's not just, we're not just throwing darts on a wall going, hey, what's the next cool thing we should do? We take things to prayer. We'll have ideas that come up and then often in a meeting, somebody will say, hey, we need to pray over this. We need to make sure that we're praying. As pastors, every week we gather and part of that meeting is to pray for you. Every Tuesday, we pray for the needs that you bring to the church. We, we wanna be led by the spirit, our board and our staff as spiritual leaders, we carry the, the responsibility of making decisions that will affect your lives and your kids' lives and the ministry of your church. It's important that we hear from God and follow his leading. That's what we see modeled here. The spiritual leaders led 
and they put spiritual leader and healthy, godly men and women in place of leadership. I wanna give you a grid that we use as a team and, and then share a story of how we had to use this grid uh, recently, actually. So here's a grid, and, I, and all of you need to write this down and know this. First of all, you need to know that God has a will. How many of you know God cares about everything and he has a will about everything? Now, Christians have debated what God's will is instead of sought God for his will. They get into these arguments and theological debates. And I just wanna start by just saying, God has a will about every matter under heaven. Every election issue we're dealing with, every social issue, every family issue you're dealing with, God has a will. God has a will about this church. We prayed over everything, even down to service times. We prayed about pulling the cafe out and putting a red wall in. Like we, we wanna seek God. I think God has a will about everything because it's his creation and everything matters to him. You matter to him. God has a will, so good leaders discern God's will. You know how to discern God's will? Not by throwing up ideas or by voting. I think it's insane, I think it's crazy to get into this position where we're gonna cast lots and vote. No, 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 we are spirit-led, we're not lot-led. So spiritual leaders, good leaders, husbands, fathers, wives, listen, you need to know this for your family. Discern God's will, that means spend time with God, pray, ask the Lord, and seek the scripture and wise counsel. Discern God's will. The will of God is not always seen because we vote a majority vote. Come on, right? And then good leaders, this is where it gets hard. Most people don't argue with this. God has a will, good leaders should discern it. Here's where it's hard. Good leaders submit to God's will. Okay, now you're messing with me. Good leaders submit to God's will and pursue God's will. Hey, look, there have been times as a pastor of this church where the Lord's directed us to do things I didn't wanna do. But how many of you know, it's not my church, it's God's church. Have you ever had to submit to the, the, the will of God in your family? Some of you that are trying tithing, right? For the first time you're going, I don't wanna do this, but you're wrestling through God's will for tithing and you're like, I don't wanna do this. Nobody wants to give their money away. Nobody wants to do that. But we submit to God even when we don't want to. That's why it's called submission. You ever submit to a commander with an order you didn't wanna take? Hello, no? I mean, one person. Thank you for being a man of God, okay. And then leaders promote God's will to others. So, so this is a grid that we use in our leadership here. And I, I wanna tell you a story that our board walked this out and, and we had to discern God's will and I'm the one that was in opposition and I'm the one that got it wrong. So as a church, we have a board with five, uh, usually it's, it's anywhere between five to seven board members. Currently we're five board members and then I serve as the president of our board. And I told our team, I told our board as soon as I became pastor and our board's responsibility is buildings, bylaws, budgets, right? So they don't run ministry, our pastors do that, but they, they're responsible for building buildings, borrowing money, running the budget, all that kind of stuff and managing our bylaws, making sure we're staying in compliance with our own governance. But I told our board when I became pastor here, I said, we will never have a decision at this table by majority votes. I remember when I became pastor, they were like, make sure you have an odd number of board members so that you can always have a majority vote. And I said, how about we just discern God's will and all be unanimous? So I've told our board, as long as I've been pastor, I said, we will never do anything by majority vote. We will always have unanimous voting or decision-making or else we won't do whatever that decision is. I, don't, I think one of the ways churches get it wrong is this whole Robert's Rules majority voting stuff. No, let's seek God's will and do what he says. And we go, well, you know, I don't know that I'm comfortable with that. That's why you have to submit to God's will as you've discerned it. There's decisions that we've made that I've not been comfortable with or I didn't like or agree with. So here was one. It's the infamous one among our board members. It's the yellow house. So um, about five years ago, well, when I became pastor here, 
I love this property. I love where we are out in the country here at our church. Well, we used to be out in the country. Now we're in the suburban sprawl. How many of you praise God for five lanes coming to Rossview Road? Bless Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So next door to us was this 100-year-old yellow farmhouse. Do you guys remember the yellow farmhouse, anybody? Yeah. And I remember when I became pastor here, I asked the Lord, I said, God, if ever that house comes for sale, I would love for LifePoint to own that house. And we'd use it for missions house or for uh, ministry. We'd use it for ministry and outreach feeding center, or we'd use it for, this was my real dream, for like transitional housing for abused uh, mothers and children, right? That they can go live in there for three to six months or whatever as they find a new place and get safe or, um, you know, single moms in transition or whatever the case. And so I wanted that yellow house. And for five years, I would ask the Lord all the time. And I met the owner. He was a friend of mine at the gym where we all hung out all the time, as you know. And I told him, I was like, hey, man, if you ever sell that house, let me know. I want to buy it. He's like, I've been in that house since my grandparents built that house. You know, I'm never going to sell it. Well, it came up for sale while we were building this building. And uh, we were in the last stages of this building project. And I tell our board, I was like, guys, the yellow house is for sale. I've been asking God for this house for years. And they're like, oh, it's exciting. You're excited. We're excited. So we meet about it. And we talk about it and we all agree. We had a price point. I had met with the owner in my office. I met with him for lunch and we came to terms on how much he wanted. I said, I'll bring it to my board. And uh, I said, we're gonna buy this house. And I couldn't wait, man. We were building this building and we're gonna own the next property over and we're gonna do all this ministry here. And so our board met and we agreed on this house. And I led the way. I was like, guys, I've been praying for this for years. And what I was praying for my will and so I, convinced, I talked to them, the leaders, the board, and I said, we're going to do this. This is going to be great. And I cast vision, and I said all the great things we're going to do for God, and we agreed. And then we get the contract to buy it. And the, the contract was exactly what we had agreed to, and I emailed it to all the board because they have to put us into debt or borrow money or whatever. And one of our board members sends back an email and says, as I've been praying over this and reading this, I don't feel like the Lord wants us to do it. <laughs> I was mad. And, I, and literally, I'm like, hey, we don't do business on email. We meet in person. We've agreed. Another email, reply all. You know, I, honestly, I've, I've had a lack of peace about this decision. No, we talked about this. We agreed. And then I had to go, I've told you guys, I submit to this board and we'll never make a decision that we're not in unanimous agreement on. So if one of you disagrees, we're not going to do it but let me tell you something. And I kind of like, I told him off. I was like, I'm never going back on my word as long as I've been pastor here. And we said, and I'm embarrassed and blah, 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 blah. Well, I had to call the owner and say, hey man, thank you so much. We've decided to step away from this offer. Are you sure it's right next door? I thought you had this vision, this dream. Come on, leader. I'm like, shut up. We're out. <laughs> and within a year, a tornado blows through this neighborhood and knocked half of that house onto the ground and crushed the interior of that house. The 100-year-old the fireplace collapsed into the living room. And I just remember thinking, if we had single moms or missionaries or interns living in that house, what a tragedy it would be to have owned that house. Thank God nobody was injured in that house, but our plan was to fill it with people. And our board heard from God when I didn't. And that was the role of our leadership is to discern God's will, to submit to it. I was the one who had to submit. And aren't you thankful that we have a board who hears from God better than our pastor? Amen, everybody. And then promote God's will. So that's my public apology. That's my confession. <laughs> it's true. It's the yellow house story. It's kind of the infamous, you remember the yellow house? They'll drop it on me sometimes. 
But I wanna encourage you, listen, let the Lord lead you and pray for godly leadership that hear from God. Listen, popular opinion is not always the will of God. Culture shifting is not shifting towards the will of God. Can I tell you, culture never drifts towards God. It always drifts away from God. You need to understand that. And I don't care how loud our culture is and how many people are shouting what our culture says, culture never drifts towards godliness, never. That alone should be a really strong warning signal for us. So then as we go through the text, we need to then follow the will and directions of God. This seems kind of straightforward, but watch what happens. So the leaders are sent out with the following letter. So they write a letter to the churches in Antioch and it says this, brothers, the apostles and the elders and the brothers who are of the Gentiles. So now Gentiles are being called brothers in the faith, right? This is the first time it's ever been put in print. The apostles, the elders, the brothers who are Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Cilicia, we send greetings, just like every other New Testament letter, they send greetings. Since we heard that some persons have gone out from us, the elders and the brothers, they've gone out from us and troubled you with words. They're unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions to do this. Here's what you gotta understand. Even Christians can say wrong things and confuse people. And the writers here are saying, some people have left our council and they're unsettling you guys and they're confusing you. We never gave them we never told them to do this. It has seemed good to us as the leaders now, it seemed good to us having come to one accord. Here it is, they're united. They're in unanimous decision. It's not majority rule. We've come to one accord. We have decided to choose men and to send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, who are men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus. Now look here again in the text. God is raising up leaders and they're led by the spirit. Look what he says. We've come to agreement, one accord. This is what you need in church leadership. This is what you need in your company. This is what you need as parents. Parents should never be divided on the will of God for their home and kids know how to play that against one another. You need to be united in one accord and it says this, Paul and Barnabas have risked their lives for the name of Jesus. God raises up good leaders that we pray for. And look, look what it says in verse 27. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas who themselves will tell you the same things that we told you, the gospel, the same things that we told you by word of mouth. For it has seemed good, here it is, good to the Holy Spirit and good to us. And notice it's in the form of a letter that made the scripture. So we've got the leaders, the spirit, and the word of God all combined together. It has seemed good to the Holy Spirit. It seemed good to us as leaders to lay no greater burden on you than these requirements, the burden of circumcision and Torah and law observance and keeping all these Jewish festivals. He goes, we've decided and, and we know from God and we agree there's no additional burden to lay on you other than these requirements. These aren't a burden for salvation, but these are requirements because of your salvation. Let me say it for you clearly. Doing right for God doesn't save you. Doing right for God is because he saved you, right? And so he said, we don't put more burden on you. You don't have to do the rosary prayer. You don't have to go to confess. You don't have to do all that. You believe by faith in Jesus, his death, burial, and resurrection, and you put your hope in him. And then he goes, but here's some requirements that you would abstain that means stay away from and keep out of your life things that were sacrificed to idols. Stay away from idolatry. Stay away from blood and the things that have been strangled, eating meat that had been strangled and not bled out well. And these were all part of their pagan traditions. And he said, get away from, listen, impurity. That's what it was. It left meat and food unclean and unhealthy and impure. He's saying, stay away from idolatry. Stay away from impurity. And then he says, and abstain from sexual immorality. It's interesting to me that at the beginning of Christianity, we see this call to sexual purity. People say, why does everybody care about what happens in my bedroom? It's private. God's there and he sees it and he cares. And then look what he says. 
If you will keep yourself from these, you'll do well. Notice he doesn't say, if you'll, if you'll do these things, you'll be saved. No, no, no. You're saved because of Jesus. But he says, since you're saved, if you'll abstain from idolatry, impurity, and sexual immorality, if you'll abstain from those, then your life will be better. You'll do well. How many of you know, like it's, it's a better life to be an obedient life to God. So he says, these simple directions, like stay away from idolatry, which is anything that gets in the way of your devotion to God. It could be football, it could be money, it could be your schedule, it could be anger and unforgiveness. Anything that stays in the way of your full devotion to God is idolatry. He says, stay away from idolatry. Stay away from impurities, the things that defile your life. And this could be everything from strangled meat and the pagan practices of your life. It could also be the stuff you watch and listen to and the friend group you're hanging out with. Stay away from impurity things. And then he says, abstain from sexual immorality, which in that day, it was such a sexualized culture, much like it is today. In fact, there are times where I wonder if, if our sexuality, our sexualized culture would like shock the Greek culture of the day. We're so sexualized, everything is sexualized and pornificated and everything's so wrapped up on, even our identity is now sexualized. Are you kidding me? Our identity is in Christ, not who I go to bed with. Our identity is in Christ, not who I'm attracted to. My identity is Jesus, not my sin or my marriage or my job, none of that. Identity is in Christ. But he says, abstain from sexual immorality, which at the time, the common sexual immorality, which is true today, temple and cult prostitution, adultery, fornication, sex outside of the covenant between a man and a woman in the context of marriage. He says, stay away from that stuff. Pornography, all that stuff, stay away from it. And then he's saying, if you'll abstain from these things, idolatry, impurity, and sexual immorality. He says, your life will go better. But these aren't, these aren't what save you, it's just what makes your life better. How many of you think a pure life, a life focused on God and focused on purity in, 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 in your physical body, that's a good life. But we're living in a day where we go, I'll let the Lord have leadership over idols. He can have leadership over purity, maybe what I watch on Netflix, but he can't have, he can't have lordship over my sexuality orientation. And, and today of all days, like, this is bigotry for me to even say this. But the Bible said it first. Abstain from this stuff. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just preaching it. Listen, if you're single, be celibate. If you're married, have a lot of sex. You're welcome. I'm a doctor. Doctor's orders. Get, you know, like, I don't... <laughs> That's sexual morality. Other than that, like abstain from it, he says. Stop looking at porn. Don't watch movies with gratuitous sex in it. Don't do that. Abstain from that stuff. He said, it's not gonna cost you your salvation, but it'll cost you good living. Don't let idolatry and impurity and sexual immorality rule your life. The question I asked is, can God take the lead in this? And this is what he, so, so they're writing to the church, these new Gentile converts, and he's given some clear direction. And they're saying, this, we believe the Spirit's in this, We've agreed as leaders, and now we're writing you scripture to tell you this. So the question for us is, does God have the right to lead like that? And notice what, how they responded when they heard it. Because God's word and God's will brings joy, peace, and encouragement. Verse 30 says, so when they were sent off, they went to Antioch and they gathered, they had the letter, and they delivered the, they delivered the letter to these new churches. And when they read it, the people rejoiced 
because of its encouragement. What they didn't do is fight and go, well, that's not what I believe. That's not how I was raised. Let's get a new preacher in here. He didn't rightly divide. I disagree what culture says and social says and the government says. They gathered the assembly, they read the word, and the people received it with gladness and joy and encouragement. Through the reading of this letter, through the leading of the spirit, through the leadership that God has given, the response of the people was encouragement and rejoicing. When's the last time God said something through his word and you said, praise God for your correction. Praise God that I have to adjust my life to live better for you. Praise God that that correction, that rebuke from my pastor, that, that call out by my small group, praise God for that, that it cost me something in the flesh and I have to submit to the will of God. We rejoice and we find it to be an encouragement. But many of us today, we fight it. We balk against it. We scream and pitch a fit. We go, I don't want to submit to that. I'm going to find a church that preaches what I want. How about you find a church that preaches the word and led by the spirit and has pastors who love you and care for your good life. They responded to God's will and clarity. How clear is that? Avoid idolatry, impurity, and sexual immorality. That's clear. They responded with joy and a sense of encouragement. That's how we should respond to God's word and his teaching and spirit-led preaching. Listen, I take no pleasure in saying hard things to you. As your pastor, there's sermons where I go, Steph, you need to pray for me because this word is tough. I didn't write the Bible. I'm just preaching it, right? Your small group should not be rightly dividing their own words. Your small group should be discerning the will of God and the word of God, even if you have to do some submitting. Praise God for that. Praise the Lord, this is hard. I gotta learn to tithe. I gotta learn to honor my family. I gotta put my kids first ahead of my career and my hobbies. Praise God, I gotta adjust to living in a way that pleases God. Can God take the lead in your life? It says they received the word and they rejoiced and were glad. I wanna challenge you. Don't dismiss or deconstruct. Don't, don't get angry and hate on God's word, God's leaders, God's spirit, but let it shape your life. Let God lead your life. Colossians 3, Paul writes, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is that rich? Is there a richness of the word dwelling in you? Or do you go pick and choose like Thomas Jefferson? I like these verses, I like these, I don't like those. Let it dwell in you richly. John, Jesus said in John 15, if you'll abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you want, I'll do it. Because how many of you know God wants to do in you what he's put in you? 2 Timothy 3 says, all of scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, even the tough ones. Even the tough scriptures that challenge you are still good for teaching, reproof, which is correction, and correction and training in righteousness. How many of you know the training comes from the word getting in us and transforming us? So does God have the right to lead your life? Strongly encourage you, study your Bible, spend time in prayer and in church, be in a small group. Listen, we're not putting these programs on for us to have a lot of programs. It's because it's good for you. If you'll do this, you will do well. I started asking you to think at the beginning, what areas of your life have you held on to control? What areas of your life do you think, I don't wanna give that to God? Is it belief, a behavior, relationship, an area of sin? Maybe it's your calendar or your money. Will you let God lead every part of your life? Can you let the Lord take the lead? Can you let him lead by your Holy Spirit, by his Holy Spirit? Can you let him lead through your pastor and your small group? 
I promise you as your pastor, I'm not here to harm you. I only want what's good for you. And I'm working through these same things myself, by the way. Can you let the word be a shining light for how to live this life? Because I promise you, if you let the words of Fox News and CNN and Facebook and Instagram lead your life, it will not lead you to righteousness. And it'll lead you right back to the Garden of Eden where we wanna be our own gods. God, would you help us by your spirit, help us by this message, lead and live in a way that follows you boldly, confidently. Lord, would you help us in Jesus' name to live in a way that honors and pleases you, God. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for pastors and leaders and small group leaders and spiritual mothers and fathers. Thank you, Lord God, for the word of God that's alive and active and powerful. And Lord God, we submit to your leadership. We may not love it, we may not enjoy it, but we'll submit to it because you are Lord of our lives and we love you and we're all in. Can you just open your hands and pray this with me finally as we close out, everybody around the room. Say, God, I believe in Jesus. I believe that he died for my sin and he is my savior and he is my Lord. Now say, I confess my sin. I ask for your forgiveness. I receive your salvation and I submit to your Lordship in Jesus' name. Have your way. Lead my life, my public life, my private life, my social life, my thought life, my behaviors, my finances, my calendar, my home, my parenting, my singleness. Lead my life in Jesus' name. I submit to you to the glory of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say amen. Come on, let's celebrate that. Amen.